Even dreams deferred can eventually come true, right? If you've been listening to the pod from the start, you already know that I had visions of bringing this podcast to you out there in the wild, to the communities where you live and where you work, and lots of them that I have yet to visit. Welp, when the pandemic thwarted those plans, you know that those events went virtual. And while I have loved that pivot and the chance to connect with so many of you in that way, today I need to tell you the next Bound and Determined Live is going to be a little different. It's going to be live, live, as in live in Dallas, Texas, coming up on April the 5th. So come and spend a couple of hours with me and my friend and past guest of the pod, Precious Norman Walton, as she and I chat fireside style and connect with each of you. Help me make my dreams come true. Too dramatic? Anyway, head on over to adjunctadvisors.com forward slash events to learn more. Will I see you there? Betcha didn't know that the 2008 Summer Olympics held in Beijing started on August 8th, 2008 at 8 seconds and 8 minutes after the 8th hour local time. A fun dive down the Google rabbit hole also tells me that spiders have 8 legs and octagons have 8 sides. The Magic 8 Ball knows what's up and Crazy 8s is a card game I haven't played likely since the 80s. What the Goog failed to mention is that this conversation you're about to hear marks the start of the eighth season of Bound and Determined. Eight! Old enough to be left unsupervised, but not old enough to do much of anything else. One conversation at a time. This one is number 57. Here we are. And as I've said from the very beginning, And I still mean today, I am so glad that you're here. You are about to meet Krista Walker. Krista took the path less traveled to arrive in the insurance industry and at her work home as the Vice President Agent Engagement and Programs at Liberty Mutual Safeco. This path included military service, founding a startup, and working for two Bill Gates companies. Krista's passion in leadership is to help build presence, authenticity, and a highly connected team. She truly leads by example. And in her words, I quite happily live on an island in the Puget Sound. Get ready, Krista. I'm coming to visit. (laughs) Krista's path and mine crossed on a virtual stage last year at an event supporting women in insurance, and I just knew then in my soul that hers was a voice we needed to hear here. In the conversation that follows, we dig into squishy topics, the ones that I love, like purpose. Who has time for that? The risk of admitting you have it all, Mm, but maybe you don't want it all, and bad bosses. May you neither have one nor be one. There is so much goodness in the words that follow. Thank you, Krista, and to you, dear listener, for being here for it. Off we go. Do you remember, I was thinking this morning, did you speak first or did I speak first? Do you remember? I, I think I I think I did. Yeah. I think I did. I remember yeah. your session and I just was completely enthralled, enraptured. <laughs> I don't just, the way you told your story, but your story, like I, I just, mm. like, I need to hear more of this. And then I, my own 
you know, I speak about imposter syndrome. I teach about imposter syndrome and I was in it in that moment. I was listening to you and I'm like, oh my gosh, I talked about taking naps and doing yoga. And here this woman is with this beautiful history. And I was feeling, um, really just in awe of you. And it's just, it's neat to be in this moment, having this conversation. So thank you for being here. Well, Meg, that's, that's really kind. I, I mean, I, I admire you as well, what you're, how you're living your life, um, how you're using a platform like this to talk to women and others about, about real things, things that go beyond insurance, things that make us human and real and vulnerable and hurt and happy and the full range of emotions. It's like, it's important. It's important what you're doing. So thanks for, thanks for doing it. And thanks for having me. Well, and thank you for that. I, I, I feel that I do. It's taken me a long time to really understand the place that this podcast has in my life and why it came to be because of a need that I had that wasn't being filled. I was looking around mm-hmm. at all of these very buttoned up corporate women mm-hmm. who needed to be, right? We need to be those things in certain environments, but I knew that there was more under the surface. And when I needed that under the surface support, I had a really hard time finding it. So that was the impetus for this. Now we're in our eighth season, but I'm never, it's never lost on me that this only works if there's someone on the other side of the microphone Mm -hmm. willing to tell their story. So I know the courage it takes and the bravery it takes to say, Maybe not that you're not those things that we see on the outside, but that there's a whole lot more going on under the surface. And the feedback I get is never about, thank you for having, you know, XYZ executive woman on the podcast. It's thanks for having someone who's willing to talk about XYZ, because that's really what I think we need and we deserve right now. I I agree with you. And it's, it's interesting because you're, you're getting someone with me that has come to the conclusion over the course of my years in corporate America that the only success worth having is the success that comes by being exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. And women in the workplace, we need more of what we often bring to the table, right? We bring empathy to the table. Not that men don't, they, they do and they can, but I see more of it with women, right? More empathy, more understanding, more support, more. And that is what's making companies, corporations who have more women at the table in senior leadership roles in particular, it's making them more successful. You need that diversity. You need a well-rounded, less buttoned up, more caring way of treating your people, of treating your customers of, because that, that's human, right? That's, that's where it matters. That's where we feel good too. And it's okay to be that it's okay to be broken and still whole, right? Like that is us. Yeah. Mm, You're absolutely right. And reminds me that while we're so heads down in our organizations these days, which so many of us are myself included at times, we have to remember that our employees our clients, our stakeholders across the board are all on their own journey and they all want different things from us and need different things from us. And I think this is the time for women in particular in sales and leadership to really thrive. Because if we ask the consumer or the fellow colleague or employee what they want right now, it's authenticity, it's vulnerability, it's empathy, it's listening. And those are things that 
categorically women tend to be able to do more easily and more quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think women, we have this, I don't know what it is, if it's a, a part of our makeup or our DNA, if you will, but we have this ability to go deep quickly. And I, I think we often play small in those environments because we think we're too much or we're coming on too strong, or I'm, I'm showing my vulnerability too soon. But I think that's what the proverbial world needs from us right now. And so I'm hopeful and I'm excited. And, um, and you remind me of that. You remind me of the chance that we take to kind of recall our initial meeting when I saw you speak in a, a pretty public way about your story and your history and the decisions that you've made and the the circumstances that you've navigated that have put you in mm. this place. We can skip over some of the chapters if we want to. We don't we don't have to talk about them all and we don't have to yeah. expose ourselves in those ways. But I think when we choose to, it does build that connection quickly. And it's not a tactic, right? It's gotta it's gotta mean something. It's not, you're not just no throwing these things out there for the shock effect. It it really is a, a heartfelt thing. And it it matters because if you're showing vulnerability, if you're showing it's okay to be me and all the pieces of me, and here's something that might relate to somebody else, right? Who's gone through something similar or not, but that you can imagine yourself in some way in the story that you tell. It just gives people permission to be themselves as well. It gives people permission to not be perfect because we have that, Meg, right? We, we have that running inside our head all the time, all the ways that we're not and what we're not and how we're not. It's a beautiful chicken farm of a brain that spins on that stuff, right? Yep. But to hear, to hear it and feel hopefully connected to, to something like that, to a story of somebody else, makes you realize, hey... I also have a story and I also have gone through some hard things and I also find ways to love myself and love people through it. Right. And, and that's important that that brings people together. That brings people closer to themselves in a, in a more public way. There are so many directions I want to go. Um, okay. I don't, we, and I had a little, little chit chat ahead of time and we talked about some themes and some topics. And one of the things we landed on, which we have never talked about on the podcast and all of these episodes is the notion of purpose. Mm. And I am not slowing down often enough most days to think about the broader context of purpose and what is this all about and what am I doing here? And I think a lot of women right now in this post pandemic hustle and bustle life that we're living are starting to scratch their head and look around and say, what, what is this? What is this all about? What is the bigger? Um, and so can you talk to us about the role that purpose has played? Did you, did you sort of back into your purpose? Have you felt like your purpose was clear throughout your life and your career? Or has, is that something that has come to you more recently? Oh my gosh. It, it, it evolves, right? Um, but I think what we realize, and you and you said it, Meg, what we realize is that we're so busy getting the things done on a daily basis that purpose rarely comes into our comes into our brain. And then when it does, sometimes we think, oh, well, I what am I gonna do? Like go out there in the woods and meditate for three years until I come up with this you know, all encompassing purpose that solves everything. Do I have to quit my job? Do I have to like, I can't afford a purpose, mm -hmm. right? I'm too busy to have a purpose. And, and I think 
what's helped me with time and, and perspective in my life is that purpose in place is where it's at, right? Purpose in place. What are the things that, and there's a so many options online for you to go and look and see, how do you find your purpose? What do you look for? There's, there's hundreds of options for you. Pick, pick the one you like, right? But the, but the idea of bringing your gifts to others in a way that's meaningful to you and them is, is what it is, right? And that doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be big, right? It can be very, it can be right where you are, right? It can be in your community. It can be with your kids. If you have kids, it can be with your people uh, in your workplace, everybody. And you know, this from, from your podcast, it's clear that everybody is miraculous in their own way and everybody brings gifts, right? And what I say is we have a, we have an obligation to bring those gifts to others because mm. if we don't, why are we, why are we here? Yeah. Like what is our purpose? If it's not to share your gifts and your passion with others. Right. And so, for example, like I find ways who I am and being present with people um, that's really helpful I'm I'm getting better at that right over time, and that's really helpful to to the folks that I lead in my team. It's really helpful to when we're trying to solve a problem at work because I'm not waiting to talk. I'm listening, right? And I found that to be extraordinarily helpful, and and the people I work with in, in enjoy that. And that's just a very little tiny piece of purpose, although. You could say it's the biggest purpose is to be present, right? One could say that that's, that's it, right? Be present and connected, but that's just one way, right? So the notion of purpose, I, I think it's scary because oftentimes we think of it as such a big thing when really it's pretty small, right? It, it, it's pretty small in its how big of an impact you can make just in your local space. Yeah. I want to pull this thread. You you said something about not having time to have purpose, and there that is that mm, that got me in the in the belly when you said that because I do think women in general we tend to look around and extend ourselves for others, and then we treat ourselves last. And I think purpose fits into that. I'll get to it someday because right now I need to fight this fire that's burning in front of me and. One of the things that I'm seeing more and more today, and I, I have my theories about why this is happening, but lots of women who are, I would say, outwardly traditionally successful in our industry are approaching me quietly. It's a DM on LinkedIn. It's a, a hit on my website. And they're like, Meg, I have everything that I should want. I've got the job. I've got the title. I've got the respect. I've got the autonomy. And something something is off. Something is missing. And I think there still feels to be a risk to really do this sort of exploration in the professional world, in the corporate space, because we don't want to give people the impression that we're not um, hustling, right? We don't want to let people know that we're asleep at the wheel or that we're detached or we're withdrawn or we're, that we're having doubts even. You know, we want to constantly give this perception, at least, that we're committed A players. And I mean, I get why we do that, right? We need our jobs. We, In many cases, the women that are reaching out to me are the breadwinners in their family or they're a, a single income family. And so therefore, 
They don't have the luxury of taking three years to go to the woods and meditate. And what I see and respect out of you is the space to have a bad day or the space to set a boundary that maybe might make some people uncomfortable, which boundaries tend to do <laughs> when we set them, but really respecting and honoring that boundary because you understand that our existence is greater than the mm -hmm. nine to five work that we're here to do. And I think that's a risk as a leader. That's a risk as an organization to give your team the space to open up and be the whole messy people that they are. And I think the women who are reaching out to me don't have that. They don't have that right now. It feels like it's it's too risky to admit that maybe something about my situation needs to change. And it, I love it because talking to me about it is a great first step, but it's hard. It's a hard first step. It is, it is a hard first step. And we've worked really hard as women. We've worked in some cases as harder than others to be perceived as an A player, as an A game player. And I, I think when you create an environment for your team, if you're in a leadership position, right? And you create an environment for your team where they also feel like they can make mistakes, that they can be authentic, that they can have bad days, that they can own when they knock it out of the park, right? If you create an environment like that, the team is going to succeed, right? Because it's not about the what, put any outcome in front of them. It's about the how, right? And how they interact with each other and how they work for each, with each other, how they care about each other. That has been a, a formula for success. And I think being able as a leader to lean on that success of the broader team to continue to expand yourself and what's important and is only going to benefit the organization right and it it could be true i mean i don't know sometimes i think people some other leaders look at me like i'm a little weird right like i'm a little woo woo for the environment right that i'm in but that's okay that's okay i don't mind that does the team do great work Yes. Do I help facilitate that great work as a leader? I, I certainly hope so. Can you talk to me about a challenge you're having and bring our full team's weight to bear on helping to solve that problem? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the main thing. But being able to be yourself allows you to be open to maybe what I need to do is bring more of who I am to this. It becomes more natural right? It becomes more like, it becomes more, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. makes sense to me. Yes. This is how I want to conduct my life at work. And so I understand like, can we afford it? Is it a risk to take, to go out on a limb and say something that's a little more heart instead of head? Mm. Um, but the answer is yes, because we need that in business. We need more hearts. And I always say to the team, it takes a lot of colors to make a rainbow, right? And it does, right? So I want more colors in my rainbow. And I want to give a, give a bright color so that the business benefits from it. It takes heart instead of head, which is one of the most beautiful, profound things I've heard. And I am a person who lives in my head, especially when I'm playing small. That's head. That's my head. That's my, what am I going to say? 
am I going to sound stupid? Am I going to repeat something that's already been said by someone else? But the heart is where I live. That's where I get my energy. That's where people don't work with me because of my head. They work with me because of my heart. And so when I expose that, you're absolutely right. The, the right people show up at the door, the woo people, and they're out there. There's a lot of us woo people in the insurance industry. And I think for a long time, we've, we've kind of hidden in the dark shadows in these spaces. And I just did a training with a group of underwriters not too long ago. And this is now part of what I do. We did a breath work mm. exercise. We were talking about how to deliver tough renewal increases in the hard market to an agent. And I said, do some deep breathing before you pick up the phone. And it was like, I never thought there would be a day that I would be standing on a proverbial stage inside an insurance company doing breathing exercises with underwriters, but we don't, we won't do it if we don't start to introduce this way of thinking and that there just fundamentally is a different way. You know, we love our traditions in our industry and thank goodness for the stability and thank goodness for the history. But I do think we could probably stomach a lot more change than we, we give the industry credit for. Mm. I think that's true. And if we, if we're centered in our heart and we're present in the conversation, not waiting to be humiliated or found out or uncovered as, you know, an imposter, mm -hmm. if we're really in our heart and we're listening and we're present, what is going to come out of our mouth is truth, right? Yeah. At least truth from the perspective of somebody who lives there. And that is often different than the other perspectives in the room. And I know that some of the best leaders that I've had, um, men or women, they value that. Mm -hmm. They value the different because it makes, it makes people, it makes the group better. Yeah. So a lot of the listeners of the podcast are rising leaders or new leaders. I love them. I love where they are in their journey and I'm thrilled that they're there and, and that they're wanting content like this as they start to think about the kind of leader that they want to be, which is such a neat milestone. Um, what do you think, like conceptually high level, 10,000 foot, what do you think the role of a leader is today? How would you, if you were maybe coaching or counseling a new, new leader on your team or just doing a little reflection, what would be your, your definition of leadership? Leadership is, to me, part coaching, part context, mm. right? And part refinement. As a leader, you want to give somebody as wide of a berth as you can to be themselves. And you want to give them as much autonomy as you can so they can really own their successes and own when they, when they make a mistake. And the only way to do that is to have the autonomy to, to do it and to learn a lot on your own. So by, by giving that context, right, by saying, here are the conversations that I'm having that might help shape your thinking. And then by giving the coaching a little bit of just keeping people in the bounds and then letting them go, right? That and then listening right? And being there to answer questions and to help that that's how I think about leadership. I, I mean, there are some profound thoughts on leadership about, you know, leave somebody better than, you know, when you weren't there and all of that stuff. I think about it just in a, just in a really simple way. You're there to kind of maximize their opportunity to find out for themselves what success and failure is. 
Mm, right? So yeah. that they learn from it. Both. They learn from both. I love it. I'm thinking if I had the ability to get into the minds of listeners right now, I think two things are happening. One is a rising leader is saying, they're frantically taking notes saying, yes, 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 this is the kind of leader I want to be. And then there is a individual contributor on a team not being led in this way saying, oh my gosh, that's the kind of leadership I need and I'm craving right now and I'm not getting mm. it. And so many people, like I said, I love the tradition and I love the history, but I also resent the tradition and the history because while there are great leaders out there and I have I have them in my in my history, thank goodness, they have shaped me in, in really beautiful ways. But there are also a lot of people that are phoning it in, justifying their existence, you know, mouthpieces, puppets for senior leadership. They're just the messenger. They're not taking ownership. They're not. And that's a really frustrating place to be when you are an individual contributor. And this is not something we're going to solve on the podcast today. But one of the other sort of conundrums that I find women in particular in is what do you do when leadership is a barrier for you to accomplish and achieve the things that you want to achieve rather than this I like to say this clear of the path. I always viewed my role as a leader to be what are the obstacles and what mm -hmm. is within my mm -hmm. my authority and my control to get those things out of the way so that you can go be you and be be successful on your terms. I imagine there's some frustration amongst listeners thinking I want that. That sounds really great, but I've got this sort of clog in the drain right now that's in the way. Right? It it does come up. You work with a peer who's a pain who just right they just I have no idea what you're talking they about. don't they don't they don't get it they don't respect you or your time or whatever it is or yeah. or a, a boss who you know just sees things entirely different than you do right and I think we've all had that and so there's been a couple of ways that that I've thought about these things and one is this is going to sound, but, but waiting it out and being persistent. Mm -hmm. If you feel like the job you have is meaningful and valuable to you, and there is something in or someone kind of in the way, and you've done your work, do the work, right? Listen, make sure you're really understanding where they're coming from to see if you can't, you can't win on both sides, right? They might not be the personality that you love or the, mm -hmm. but boy, you're going to learn some things if you're really open to learning and you don't shut that down. And by being that I've experienced leaders open up to my perspective on things because I'm not shut down to their perspective. Right. And mm -hmm. so there's, there's an element of it is you have to do the work. You can't, you can't just, well, this person kind of is a bummer and I don't like it. Okay. So do your work. Right. Um, and then and then secondly, when I say persistence and outweighting is when I was in the military, they, there was a saying, if you don't like something, wait two years and it'll change. Fact. Right. And true in our industry, too. Fact There's always people coming and going. Yeah. Fact in life. Right. And yeah. so uh, if it's just not working for you over time and there is any kind of lateral movement, start mm -hmm. to learn about it, start to understand, start to ask questions, start to see maybe there's something that's a better fit for you, right? And it doesn't have to be overnight. It can it can take time to do it, but that way you're not feeling trapped, 
because the worst scenario is you're in a place, you have a, a, a leader that you feel doesn't respect you or you don't respect, and then you stay. Who, who does that benefit? Mm-hmm. Nobody. It doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't benefit a team. It, it, it just, it hurts. Like I tell my team and sometimes like if you find yourself unhappy, there's always going to be periods where you're not right there. They're, you're a little, you're feeling little. but if you find yourself kind of unhappy over a period of time and you've talked to your leader about it and it's just not changing, let us help you find something else that makes you happy. Because what I do know is if you're unhappy or somebody's unhappy, that's contagious. Oh yeah. It's contagious. It's a poison pill. Yeah. And nobody wants that. No, nobody wants, especially the person who's unhappy. So it's okay to break out. It's okay to do something else if you can. That's a luxury for me to say. We're a very, Liberty Mutual is a very big company. There's a lot of lateral opportunities there, but still not to feel trapped is the most important thing, to feel like I can do something else. And that takes a little work, but it's worthwhile. It does. And it, it means trusting yourself enough and having your confidence be in a place enough to say, I have more control here than maybe I've thought that I did and more autonomy and more authority and agency. Because I think we, many of us, I won't say everyone, but I've been, this is my 25th year in the industry. And I didn't realize until about, I don't know, 10 years in that certain things were negotiable. Um, One of the most pivotal positions in my career when I left an individual contributor role with a carrier and then moved into underwriting leadership with a different carrier. I sat for my exit interview with my boss as I was leaving that underwriting role. And he said, you know, we didn't know that you, you wanted to move into leadership. And I said, we never talked about it. There was never a forum for me to sit and talk Mm -hmm. about career aspirations because we do make an assumption that people are happy and that they're content. And is it a risk for a leader to come to a, an individual contributor and say, do you want something else? Is it a risk for the individual contributor to say, yeah, I want something else? Sure. But for the health of the individual and the health of the organization, I think we need to be more transparent about these career conversations in general, particularly because, and I cannot say this loudly enough, the generation coming into the business right now is not going to be here to collect the gold pen and the 35-year service award. They will have multiple careers and multiple jobs and multiple industries, mm-hmm. in, and I love it for them. And so assuming that someone is happy because they're not putting their hand up and asking for change and not creating a forum to have a really open, healthy, productive conversation about what the future might hold doesn't mean it has to happen and doesn't mean it has to happen right now, but I think people are are wanting that, employees are wanting that. Today, I, I, so. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that, well, a couple of things. One is we're at a very interesting creative time in the industry and, you know, it's a hard market and things are happening and layoffs are happening and yeah. it's kind of a, a, a scary time to put your hand up and say, Hey, I'm ready for something else. There might not be a lot else right now but this tends to be a prop more of an issue particularly with women because mm-hmm. we we want to be overqualified for a role that we might apply for or we want to be whereas I, I think 
oftentimes men don't think about it like that, right? They're already talking about what they want next from the, you know, from the day they get the job, right? Like, mm -hmm. where's my path? You're here to help me on my path. And I think women could learn a lot from, from that approach mm -hmm. um, because it, it works, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So to be, to be bolder than you think you should be the bolder than you think you have a right to be in terms of what you are looking for and what you want. And the other thing I say is to the notion of risk and taking this risk, if you play that out, right? I often think what's the what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. Right? Oh, you're gonna get fired. Right? Oh, and and but what does it mean? Like what happens? Here's my experience of it having had a long career is that either for myself or for someone else, the other side of that, you realize, Oh, that's, that's why that happened. Right. That's why you don't understand it in the moment. It's very scary in the moment, but on the other side of it is always a brighter path, mm. a more informed path. So that's the way I think about it, you know, and I, I know that that's hard to think about, but it does, it does write itself. The ship writes itself and you're on a different path and maybe that's what you needed to begin with. So, so like risk is okay. Yeah. Risk is okay. You're going to be okay. You know? Oh, you're going to be okay. I love that. That was our, our takeaway from the last episode of the last season. So I love it. We're coming full circle. I, I totally agree with you. And I relate. I remember thinking, um, I got married when I was very young. I got divorced at 30 and I remember taking that risk, leaving a marriage and and really starting again as an adult for the first time. I really was mm -hmm. independent and, and living alone for the first time in my life and thinking, well, this could go one of two ways. I could have peaked during that period when I was married, and that could have been the chapter of my life that I'm always reflecting back to as sort of the highlight, and then everything else is, you know, the after or it could be the beginning of something, mm. you know, really neat and beautiful. And I say all the time, this life I'm living, I didn't even have the courage to dream about then. I did, but I didn't get here. I didn't just wave my magic wand and quit a corporate job and sell my house and things. Like all of it happened one decision at a time. And, you know, yes, if we could cherry pick the ones that worked out really well and eliminate some of the others, sure. But we don't have the luxury of doing that. I love how you recalled the, it's called the confidence gap. It's a study that McKinsey yeah. did many years ago. It It's aged now. And I think it's aged pretty well still, but that women need to feel 80% confident before they will take a leap professionally or personally, I believe as well. And men only need to feel 20%. So if, if we don't meet 80% of job qualifications, we won't apply for the job. And men are like, yeah, I've, I did that once. I'm going to apply. And, and And many times they get the job. And so there's this, cataloging that we're not doing as women of the risks that we have taken that have paid off. I love to invite women. It's a risk. I, I met my current partner on a dating app. Mm. It was a risk for me to build that profile, to hit yeah. the button and say, I'm going to put myself out there in this way that feels uncomfortable and feels uncertain and exposes me to criticism and feedback and rejection and all of these really ugly human feelings. But had I not done that, I wouldn't be in this beautiful relationship that we're building. And so 
that's a risk. And I don't think we give ourselves credit for the risk to try something new, to say yes to something, to say no to something else. And that sitting down and doing a very practical brain dump about what are the risks I've taken in the last 12 months mm. will be a really big confidence boost for those of us who are sitting on something, on a decision, on a thought, on a feeling, on an instinct, and not feeling like we have that 80% confidence to move forward. I don't think we can manufacture it for ourselves, but I think there are reminders around us that we have we have a lot more of this sorted than we give ourselves credit for. I think that is so true. I think it's so true and it comes, it circles us back to purpose. When we know we're coming from the place of source, right? When it comes naturally to us, when it's not, it's not even our personality doing it, it's coming from a deeper place. If we spend more time finding, identifying, cultivating those gifts that we have. And it's hard, right, Meg? Because yeah, I was just doing this exercise recently and I was like, okay, I'm I'm re-looking at purpose and I'm thinking, okay, what am I, what am I good at? Right? What what skills, what what do I bring to the table? And I listed like three or four things and I was like, huh. Because the list of things I'm not good at is a mile long, right? Yeah. And I don't even need to write it down. It just spins, yeah. right? But then, so I was like, I called on, I called on some folks. I called mm. on, I called my daughter. She rattled off a bunch of, I called my bestie, same, my second bestie, my ex, somebody I trust at work. And the list was really long. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I guess I am, I am good at that, but none of it was about, you really know your way around a spreadsheet. You know what I mean? Um, like you yes. really, yeah. you re they're all very human, very human traits. And so when you're thinking about like what's next and taking that risk, if you've cultivated kind of your gifts, it's more about bringing those gifts through a particular role to the benefit of the broader organization, to the benefit of the people you work with. That's where the risk becomes reward, mm. right? That That's where the magic happens. And so if it's something like if somebody said, Krista, you should, you know, we have this analyst role and it's going to be thick in spreadsheets 24 seven, that would be an automatic no for me. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no. I'm only laughing because it would be an automatic no for me as well. A hard <laughs> no. Yeah. Hard no. Um, but that's not the kind of role you're gonna go for anyway. Nope. Right. Nope. That's not what you're gonna want to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So the purpose, finding more about what are what are my gifts? What do people what are my gifts? What am I good at? What can I what makes me feel yes when I do it? Finding those, finding ways to bring that to work. Yeah. Mm. We're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there. You've given me so much to think about. And I know the listeners have, they have some homework to do if they choose to do it, because I think you've given us some really practical things. This idea of going and pulling, phoning a friend. What do you, how do you see me? The gift of seeing yourself through someone else's lens. I mean, I'm going to do that. I think that's, and that is not an ego forward exercise. That is sometimes we are so heads down and in it that we forget these core essential parts of who we are. And then 
leveraging those, which we have the opportunity to do. Yeah. I love it. And the poor listeners, I need to do video on these things. They can't see you. You're, you're cheering and thumbs upping behind the scenes here. Um, and I love the, the enthusiasm. I know we are so aligned in how we view women in leadership, but also the opportunity for women in leadership right now. And I am humbled and grateful that you said yes to joining me on the podcast and hope that we can meet in the real world one of these days. That would be great. Oh my gosh. I would, I would absolutely love that. And I will, anytime you want to talk about anything, Meg, I'm, I'm in because I think you're doing really great work and I'd love to love to continue the conversation anytime. Thank you. Um, if a listener wanted to connect with you, is LinkedIn the best way to find great. you or do you have, LinkedIn's okay, we'll, great. great. We'll include that um, in the show notes as always. And a couple of the other resources that I mentioned, I'll link those as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you along the way. That sounds great, Meg. Thanks. Thanks so much. This is Bound and Determined, a podcast just for women in insurance like you and me. I, Meg McKean, wear all the hats over here, host and producer and scheduler and promoter and other duties as assigned. Now in my 25th year working in the insurance industry, I'm supposed to say that time flies when you're having fun, but the truth is it isn't always fun and time hasn't necessarily flown. The thing that pays the bills is the work I do as the founder and principal consultant at Adjunct Advisors, a one-woman consultancy that I founded in the summer of 2018 after a forever life-altering experience with burnout. These days, I'm spending my time with underwriting teams and insurance producers as, together, we nurture our relationships with each other and ourselves and navigate this hard market. If today it's feeling especially hard for you, you are not alone. This episode was recorded in the sounds fancy but isn't casita, i.e. furnished two-car garage that I'm renting in Missoula, Montana. It's my happy home base on this latest stop on my digital nomad adventure. You can learn more about all of these things, including the ways you can support this podcast when you head on over to adjunctadvisors.com. We, and by we, I mean I, We'll see you next time.